Welcome to Episode 5, The Coin, Black History on the Other Side podcast, hosted by Brittany Wilkins. The world has given Christopher Columbus his flowers and cemented his legacy as being one of the greatest explorers to discover America. Today, the world honors him by observing this day as Columbus Day, commemorating him for landing in the Americas in 1492. And while I don't deny Christopher Columbus was an explorer who went on many voyages throughout his life, the history written about his story is inaccurate in my opinion. You see, a discovery is something found or learned for the first time. How can he be the first to discover a new world when there were indigenous people already there upon his arrival? In my mind, logic tells me the people living within the region were the first to discover America. Prior to COVID-19, I traveled throughout the United States to various places. And although it was my first time visiting the Grand Canyon in Arizona, I didn't discover it. It was already there with millions of people who visited before me. It was a new destination, but not a discovery. The new world was new to Christopher Columbus. So the context in which we use words shapes the perception. And really, when you think about it, nothing is new under the sun. In the business world, many new inventions go through the patent process. The inventor claims the idea to be new, a discovery never being done before. And within the process, after doing a thorough search, a patent lawyer comes back to say there is some prior art or an invention similar to your idea. So already there is a baseline or a foundation that exists for the invention. But ultimately what the inventor is doing is building on that invention by adding some new non-obvious features. I said all this to ask this question. Was he really the first to claim he discovered America? Have there been prior explorers before him who sailed those seas? Some probably never made it. And if they did, but didn't do it in the way Christopher Columbus did to get the recognition, did he take a different route or did he get to America faster than all the other expeditions, which led to him being the darling of history. And here's something interesting to note about the year 1492. The same year Christopher Columbus allegedly discovered America was also when the last Moorish king surrendered in defeat to the monarchs of Spain. And they were then kicked out of Spain, the Moors. Is this coincidence or is it planned 
a planned European world domination beginning the era of colonialism. In grade school, I remember doing assignments about Christopher Columbus. And if I would have known back then what I know now, I wouldn't have participated in any Christopher Columbus festivities. Flipping the coin and learning the other side of history, I come to learn he was the one who initiated slavery in the Americas. The motives for his voyages were first for discovery and exploration. Second was for colonization. Columbus gave the order to take 2,000 Spaniards, plant colonies, build churches, build cities, forts, and farms. The Bible says where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Columbus' underlying motive was his search for gold, his quest for more. His greed led to the exploitation and victimization of indigenous people. In fact, he demanded from Spain one-third, one-eighth, and one-tenth of everything he found in the New World. A man with this type of character did not change the world for the better. And while cities may remove his statues across the globe, the history books remain unchanged. And as previously stated, he initiated slavery in America. So the narrative paints a picture that Africans only arrived in the Americas via the slave trade. But in today's podcast, I share with you the scholarly works of Dr. Ivan Van Sertema. For those of you listening who do not know Dr. Sertema, he was an associate professor of Africana Studies at Rutgers University. He is best known for his pre-Columbian trans-oceanic research. This is the story of They Came Before Columbus, the African presence in ancient America. The earliest documented traces of African presence was in Espanola, which today is present-day Haiti and the Dominican Republic. The Indians provided proof to Christopher Columbus that they were trading with black people. The Indians of this Espanola said that there had come a black people who had the tops of their spears made of metal, which they call guanine. Columbus had sent samples of the tops and had them assayed. Assayed is an analysis designed to measure and test the composition in ore, alloys, and precious metals. The results of this analysis found that of the 32 parts, 18 were gold, 6 of silver, and 8 of copper. These metal tops were produced from guanine. The origin of the word guanine may be tracked down in the Mandi languages of West Africa. 
this was not Columbus's first time in hearing about black people trading with Indians. Portuguese King Don Juan had told Columbus stories about African presence in America. The Indians confirmed it by providing him concrete evidence. In the quest for gold, he now learned the source of where he could gain more. Without being there, it's hard to conclude why the Indians would tell Columbus this information in the first place. I wonder, was it a casual dialogue? Did Columbus use forceful measures? See, the trading between Africans and Indians was a business transaction. And how I see it is that guanine was like intellectual property. And in today's culture, intellectual property is protected through non-disclosure agreements. But I presume NDAs probably didn't exist to the extent we have them today. But I believe moments like this in history and others were game changers and the ships were then turned toward Africa headed for the Gold Coast. No disrespect to indigenous people, but would you consider them to be whistleblowers in today's culture? On Columbus' third voyage, he came upon more evidence of the contact between Africa and the New World. From a settlement along South American coasts on which his men landed, the natives brought handkerchiefs of cotton very symmetrically woven and worked in colors like those brought from Guinea, from the rivers of Sierra Leone, which looked no different. The handkerchiefs resembled Guinea headdresses and loincloths. There were also visible witnesses of Africans in ancient America. A Spanish explorer by the name of Vasco Nunez Balboa discovered an Indian settlement off the southern sea of Corqua. He found a number of war captives who were African. He observed these men to be very tall of military bearing who were waging war with natives from some settlement in the neighborhood. These were the first Negroes that had been seen in the Indies. An encounter with New World Negroes was reported off Colombia. A priest of the Dominican named Fray Gregor Garcia pinpointed an island off Colombia as the place where the Spanish encountered blacks in the New World. Just as Balboa witnessed, Fray stated blacks were found as captives of war among Indians. In the 16th century, Cabela de Balboa sighted a group of 17 Negroes shipwrecked in Ecuador who had become governors of an entire province of American Indians. Darren and Colombia were easily accessible to African shipwrecked mariners. These places lie within the terminal area of currents that move with great power and swiftness from Africa to America. These were the earliest documented traces of the African presence that occurred within the first and second decades of Christopher Columbus' so-called discovery. 
In their voyages to the New World, the Spanish had discovered African settlements and artifacts. So what I've shared with you today only begins to scratch the surface. I'm grateful for the work that Dr. Vincertima has done. He has given us a foundation to build upon. They, our people, came before Columbus. For those of you listening who have not read They Came Before Columbus, I recommend you add this to your reading list. In future podcasts and courses, I may do a part two of African Presence in Ancient America based upon the feedback and number of downloads this episode receives. You will hear me say it many times. There is so much more to our history than the slave trade. What does it benefit the dominant culture to teach us about ourselves? Until the lion learns how to write, every tale will glorify the hunter. The best investment we can make is investing in ourselves and programs that enable us to learn our history, explore our history, and create our history. If you enjoy the show and would like to support the creation of more content, use the link in the show notes to donate to our mission of bridging the gap between African history and culture. Until my next episode, take care.
The earliest documented traces of African presence was in Espanola, which today is present-day Haiti and the Dominican Republic. The Indians provided proof to Christopher Columbus that they were trading with black people. The Indians of this Espanola said that there had come a black people who had the tops of their spears made of metal, which they call guanine. Columbus had sent samples of the tops and had them assayed. Assayed is an analysis designed to measure and test the composition in ore, alloys, and precious metals. The results of this analysis found that of the 32 parts, 18 were gold, 6 of silver, and 8 of copper. These metal tops were produced from guanine. The origin of the word guanine may be tracked down in the Mandi languages of West Africa. This was not Columbus's first time in hearing about black people trading with Indians. Portuguese King Don Juan had told Columbus stories about African presence in America. The Indians confirmed it by providing him concrete evidence. In the quest for gold, he now learned the source of where he could gain more. Without being there, it's hard to conclude why the Indians would tell Columbus this information in the first place. I wonder, was it a casual dialogue? Did Columbus use forceful measures? See, the trading between Africans and Indians was a business transaction. And how I see it is that guanine was like intellectual property. And in today's culture, intellectual property is protected through non-disclosure agreements. But I presume NDAs probably didn't exist to the extent we have them today. But I believe moments like this in history and others were game changers and the ships were then turned toward Africa headed for the Gold Coast. No disrespect to indigenous people, but would you consider them to be whistleblowers in today's culture? The earliest documented traces of African presence was in Espanola, which today is present day Haiti and the Dominican Republic. The Indians provided proof to Christopher Columbus that they were trading with black people. The Indians of this Espanola said that there had come a black people who had the tops of their spears made of metal, which they call guanine. Columbus had sent samples of the tops and had them assayed. Assayed is an analysis designed to measure and test the composition in ore, alloys, and precious metals. The results of this analysis found that of the 32 parts, 18 were gold, 6 of silver, and 8 of copper. These metal tops were produced from 
guani. The origin of the word guani may be tracked down in the Mandi languages of West Africa. This was not Columbus's first time in hearing about black people trading with Indians. Portuguese King Don Juan had told Columbus stories about African presence in America. The Indians confirmed it by providing him concrete evidence. In the quest for gold, he now learned the source of where he could gain more. Without being there, it's hard to conclude why the Indians would tell Columbus this information in the first place. I wonder, was it a casual dialogue? Did Columbus use forceful measures? See, the trading between Africans and Indians was a business transaction. And how I see it is that guanine was like intellectual property. And in today's culture, intellectual property is protected through non-disclosure agreements. But I presume NDAs probably didn't exist to the extent we have them today. But I believe moments like this in history and others were game changers and the ships were then turned toward Africa headed for the Gold Coast. No disrespect to indigenous people, but would you consider them to be whistleblowers in today's culture?